If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you, to talk about the Parsha, to talk about life, and to share some ideas, to talk about what the Torah is telling us, Torah Chaim, the Torah of life. It comes from God, we come from God. And therefore, the blueprint for all of creation, indeed the blueprint for each and every one of us, is the Torah, which contains every single detail of how we should behave and what our lives are all about. And today, of course, is a very special day. It's the first day of Elul, the second day of Rosh Chodesh, and of course, Elul is that special month. It's only a month before Rosh Hashanah, and Elul is the last month of the calendar year. It's the month that kind of wraps it all up. It's a time to remember things. It's a time to take stock, to take account, to look at the past year and to prepare for the coming year. It's a time that we have to stop and think and look and listen and understand what in fact is happening. Every human being has tremendous, tremendous qualities, tremendous opportunities, tremendous talents. Each and every one of us is given by God gifts beyond measure. And it's during the month of Elul that we have to examine those gifts, how we've used them, what we've done with them. Have we used them in the best possible way? Have we achieved, well, our potential? close to our potential, and to ask ourselves, can we do more? Have we perhaps made mistakes in what we have to do to correct them? And if you were in shul this morning, I'm sure you would have heard the shofar. The shofar is a siren. It's an alarm. It's a call to the shuva. It's a call to, well, return and repent. It's a call to look into oneself. It's a call to remind ourselves that there are so many important and wonderful things available during this month. As we mentioned last week, it's a time of tremendous opportunity for each and every one of us. As I mentioned last week, the great mushal, the great example, the illustration of the king in the field where God makes himself available to each and every one of us, and he shows us a beautiful countenance, a welcoming face, a smile. God comes to us and makes himself available, close. He wants each and every one of us to approach. He wants each and every one of us to prepare for a good, sweet, wonderful year. And therefore, we have this full month of preparation, a full month of opportunity to do just that. The sages tell us that this is a very special day for a great many reasons, but one of those reasons is because this is the day that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, the great leader, ascended to heaven for the third time, but this is time he ascended to heaven to receive the second set of luchot, the tablets. The first, of course, were broken. He came down the mountain with the first set of tablets to his absolute horror. He saw the Jewish people dancing around the golden calf, and that was an incredible, incredible sin. After all, so soon after receiving the Torah at Sinai, meeting God face to face, as it were. How could they possibly, how could they possibly turn around and dance around a golden calf? And God quite justifiably wanted to punish them in the worst possible way. But Moshe, as a leader, defended them. He stood up and said to God, no, you must forgive them. 
This is a moment where the Jewish people need a deeper understanding. You have to shower them with some power of repentance, of kapara, and to allow them to atone for this terrible sin. And these overtures not only brought about atonement and forgiveness, in fact, they brought about tremendous, tremendous responses from God. One of them, of course, as we mentioned last week, were the 13 dimensions of divine compassion, the Hashem Hashem that we say every day during prayers, that we say when we open the Torah on the festivals. This is the powerful demonstration from God that he forgave the Jewish people. And part of that forgiveness is that although the first tablets, the first luchot, were shattered, broken by Moshe, God said, make another set and I will engrave them again and give you a second set of luchot. And these luchot, although a lower level in the first, nonetheless in a certain way higher, because they contained so much more, when Moshe received the second luchot, came with all sorts of other areas of Torah, much more than the first. This is a day that we have to understand that God gives us tremendous, tremendous blessing. Not only does he bring about atonement, not only does he allow us to fulfill the great act of teshuvah, to repent, but in actual fact, he gives us something which we didn't have before the time that we transgressed. Yes, the Jewish people were at a very lofty state before they committed the terrible sin of the golden calf. And subsequent to that, they reached a far higher level. They received something from God which they didn't have before. This is what the month of El is all about. Moshe as the incredible, dedicated, loyal leader of the people stood before God, pleading for his people, and God responded with the incredible gifts that he gave the Jewish people. This is what Elul is all about. El is a time that we can reach out. El is a time that we can somehow call to God to give us something that we didn't have before. And each and every one of us, each and every one of us, without fail, has something that he or she needs. We look into our lives and we honestly ask ourselves, what do we really need? And we have to turn to Almighty God and ask Him, please, please give us that which we truly need. Yes, of course, as I say every year, we have a long shopping list as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah as we prepare to ask God for a good and sweet and wonderful year. We have a long shopping list. Wealth, health, long life, nachas. Each and every one of us has so much to ask God for. But there are certain specific areas that very often we overlook. And these are the things that we have to examine and look at carefully. El is a time that the character of Elul is attention to detail. It's a time that we can look at those specific areas of life that need that type of focus, that type 
of attention. And this is why the month of Elul is so rich with opportunity. It's a time that is fertile. It's a time that we can accomplish great things, just as Moshe accomplished the incredible atonement and gift of the second set of Luchot, which changed the entire personality of the Jewish people forevermore for better. Each and every one of us can do something similar as a result of our own overtures to God, our own requests. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. And of course, the month of Elul is a time that we understand the value of Torah, because Torah enables us to make that examination within ourselves. And this is why the Parsha of Shoftim is always read during the month of Elul, which is the Parsha of this week. Shoftim Vishotrim, the Parsha begins with the instruction that you must appoint judges and bailiffs officers at every single gateway. A very simple concept that in order to ensure that the law is protected and the law is fulfilled, you have to though you appoint those who deal with the law. But as we go through the parsha, we see something very interesting. There are all sorts of important individuals in offices that, in fact, make up for the entire community. For instance, you have a king. It says, well, you have to appoint a king as well. The people says, as soon as you come into the land, one of the things that you have to do is to accept a king from among your brethren. Another thing, of course, it speaks about is prophecy. We speak about false prophets, and we speak about those neomancers, we speak about those magicians, and we speak about proper prophets who speak in the name of God. We speak about the Kohanim, the priests, the one who serve in the temple. Each one of those important individuals who fulfill incredibly important duties within the community. The king, of course, or the leader. After all, he leads the entire nation. The king is that individual who carries with him the majesty not only of an individual, but he carries with him a divine element as well. And this is why the king has to be accepted and has to be listened to in the most incredible sort of way. The Kohen, the holy man, the Kohen who serves in the temple, who offers the sacrifices, the Kohen who is the individual who by birthright Father was a Kohen, he becomes a Kohen, serves in the temple in the holy place, the house of God. And the prophet, the Navi, who speaks in the name of God. Each one of those individuals, an incredibly important office, an incredibly important individual. And yet, the Parsha is called Shoftim, Judges. Why is the Parsha called Judges? And as I've often mentioned, the name of the Parsha is all-inclusive. The entire Parsha is contained within the name of the Parsha. The king, the priest, the Kohen, the prophet, all are contained within the Shofet, the judge. And the answer, of course, is because each one of those individuals to realize that they have to fulfill their duties within the construct within the law of Torah. And this is where the judge has to act correctly. 
Is the king fulfilling his duties according to the law of Torah? Is the prophet fulfilling his duties according to the law of Torah? Is the Kohen fulfilling his duties according to the law of Torah? This is why the parsha is called Shoftim, because the judge has tremendous power. He has the power of deciding if, in fact, each and every one of those incredibly important individuals are fulfilling their incredibly important duties according to the law. Not only some vague law, not only a law that comes about as a result of consensus, of social acceptance, but the law of Torah. And this is what the Pesach says, Shoftim v'shotim titim v'chol shi'arecho, in all your gateways. And as our commentaries point out, the gateways refer not only to the, well, the actual physical gateways to the cities, to the provinces, to the country, but the gateways refer to the personal gateways of one's life as well, the eyes, the ears, the mouths. We have to be very careful, because each one of those gateways are both entrances and exits, things that come into our lives and things that come out from us into the world around us and to the people around us. And this is why we need a shofet. We need an element within us that is able to judge, is this what is coming into my eyes, into my ears, into my mind, into my heart? Is it proper? Is it something which is acceptable according to the law of Torah? Is what's coming out of my mouth acceptable according to the law of Torah, etc., etc., etc.? But it goes beyond that as well. If one wants, one can take the concept of the king. The king is the leader, as I mentioned before, within the individual person. That is one's ego, a sense of self-esteem, which is very important. An individual must have a sense of self-esteem. Without self-esteem, well, you can't fulfill your duties of life. Humility, of course, is important. But false humility is incredibly destructive. And this is why an individual has to have a sense of self-recognition, of self-esteem, an honest evaluation of one's abilities, of one's talents, of one's gifts. And self-esteem is very important. But at the same time, you have to have balance. Because if you don't create an element of correctness, of balance to that self-esteem, it can turn into narcissistic behavior, where it becomes arrogance, where it becomes not self-esteem, but a total, total disregard for others, and only you, you are the important element. This is why you need that internal judge within yourself. Is the way you are behaving correct in terms of developing a healthy and proper and necessary dimension of self-esteem? Or have you gone beyond the border? Have you crossed the line into, well, arrogance, narcissistic behavior? Have you crossed the line that you shouldn't have crossed? This is where the judge has to somehow examine the king, the ego within your life. Similarly, the Kohen, the Kohen who represents the religious behavior of one. Religious behavior is extremely important. An individual has to be meticulous in one's relationship with halacha, with God's law, 
person has to develop a sense of ahava and yira, a sense of love for God, a sense of awe, sense of fear of God. A person has to develop a relationship with God. A person has to develop as much as possible a passionate relationship with Hashem, with His Torah, with His mitzvot. But at the same time, you have to be very careful not to allow it to become fanatical, not to become a zealot. We've seen with the sons of Aaron, where all they wanted was to achieve absolute spiritual ecstasy to the point where their souls left their bodies. And that was considered a sin by God. You have to be careful to create a balance within religious fervor as well. And never to allow religious behavior to become something that is destructive as far as others are concerned. Religious behavior must, of course, be there with strength and with power, but with love, with concern, with balance, to take those ideas of God's law and to implement it within the world that we know to combine, to synthesize the physical and the spiritual, to bring together the higher and lower world. And this is where the internal judge has to come into play. Am I allowing my religious further, fervor to go beyond that level, or am I channeling that incredible energy in a healthy, positive, constructive sort of way? And similarly with the prophet. What is the prophet within one? That's the creative imagination that a person has. Creative imagination is an incredible thing. It takes us to all sorts of wonderful places and ideas. Can you imagine how sad the world would be, how sad an individual would be if we didn't have creative imagination? In every single area of life, A person needs creative imagination. It carries us to all sorts of wonderful developing places in the arts, in the sciences, even in Torah Abdul. It enables us to see things from an altogether different perspective. It enables us to see things from a higher level. We somehow move away from the restrictions and limits of a very ordinary type of existence and life, and it gives color. It gives incredible harmony and beautiful sound to the life that we live. Creative imagination is powerful and wonderful and tremendously important. But at the same time, if we don't put some breaks on creative imagination. It can take us to places that become totally irrelevant. And instead of using the incredible imagery and knowledge that we attain from that creative imagination, we end up living, well, in a fool's paradise. We end up living in a world that is, well, not real. In a world that is imagination and all that it is. And if we don't translate it into something that is practical and real, it becomes empty. It becomes foolish. It becomes silly. Instead of being a constructive individual, we end up being, well, silly dreamers.
And this, too, is where the judge comes in. Yes, to encourage creative imagination, the prophet, but at the same time to understand where it goes and how to bring it back into a practicality. Otherwise, we're building castles in the sky. This is what this parsha opens up. It says, Shoftim, appoint judges, and not only judges, but Shotrim as well, officers who implement the law. Not only must you have the judge that is able to discern what's right and wrong, but you have to have the inner strength to implement what's right and wrong as well. This is where Torah comes in. Torah is, well, hurrah. It is a life lesson. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. And this is why you have to have the courage, the strength, the ability to say, notwithstanding anything else that I might have and want, I have to do this because that is not acceptable. That is wrong. The power of Torah is eternal. The power of Torah comes from God. The power of Torah is not man-made, and therefore it's not susceptible to social interference and to change at different times and different places. But it takes courage to implement that. It takes strength. It takes power. It takes the ability of seeing things correctly in the most powerful way. This is why Shoftim the Parsha always comes during the month of El, because during the month of El, more than any other time, we need this clarity, we need this ability, we need this courage. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha of Shoftim. And how each and every single individual has to have that internal judge to apply the law of Torah to every single situation, to make sure that one's ego doesn't go out of control, to make sure that one's imagination and creative abilities don't go out of control, to make sure that one's religious fervor and passion is contained and focused in the proper way. And this idea of having an internal judge is something which is so essential in every single area of life personally, and of course as a nation, of course as a people, a people who unfortunately don't have this judge, can ultimately do, well, the most terrible things. And this is why we find two interesting laws toward the end of the Parsha. One law is the law that if you lay sage to, well, an enemy during war, you have to be very careful not to chop down a fruit-bearing tree. You know, during war, certainly in those days, you needed the wood of trees for, well, arms, weaponry, for fire, for whatever it is that you needed, but you couldn't chop down a fruit-bearing tree. And one could argue and say you're at war. What's the difference if it's a fruit-bearing tree or a non-fruit-bearing tree? And the answer is this fruit-bearing tree is able to provide sustenance and food to others. So even when you're at war, even when you are within the ugliness of war, you have to retain a sense of morality. 
something which is so important for us to understand. You know, you can often argue, life is difficult, life is hard, the world is crazy, everybody is behaving badly. Well, big deal. It's only a tree, it's only a piece of wood. You can plant another. Morality is something which has to be implemented and applied in every single situation, even the most seeming violent situation. This is what Torah teaches us. Torah teaches us that the laws of decency, morality, is not something which is there only, well, in the most idyllic, perfect situations. No. The laws of decency and morality must be applied even in the most chaotic and difficult situations. This is what Torah tells us. You lay siege to a city. You need wood by all means. Find trees that are not fruit-bearing. A fruit-bearing tree must be protected and retained. And then at the very end of the Parsha, we come across that other famous law, that if you find a murdered body outside a town, and you don't know who that individual is, and you can't find the murderer, the elders have to come out and perform a whole ceremony. And one of the statements they have to make is, that our hands did not shed this blood. And our sages ask the obvious question. The elders, the sages, pious, decent, moral men, who would suspect them of having blood on their hands? And they explain that they have to publicly say, this stranger came through our town. Did we offer him food and shelter? Did we take care of this person? Did we look after this person? Or did he move through our town and nobody cared and nobody thought about him and no one looked after him? No one escorted him out of town. No one took care of a stranger. And therefore there is the story of collective responsibility. The elders, the pious, the righteous, the decent have to publicly declare our hands did not shed this blood. And this is something that we have to learn. <coughs> Morality is a permanent state of being. No matter who you are. Collective responsibility. You can never, ever turn your back and say, well, it's not my fault, I didn't do it. Are you part of this community? Are you part of this reality? Then you must share responsibility as well. And this is something which is important for each and every one of us to understand in life. This is the shoftim. This is the judge's concept. The, the courage, the strength to take responsibility even for something that you directly didn't do. But if you're part of a society, have you acted in accordance with the law of Torah? Have you turned to others and have you asked others to act in accordance with the laws of Torah? In a kind way, in a gentle way, in a loving way, not in a rough way, not in a judgmental way, but in a gentle, kind, loving way. Have you acted with decency and in a moral manner, even in chaotic and violent times? Or have you allowed the chaos of the time to overwhelm you. This is what Shoftim is all about. 
that inner judge as individuals and as societies. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, this is a parsha which is so full of a great many things that speaks about idolatry. Listen to how it talks about the appointment of a king. Listen how it talks about, well, the magicians, false prophets, and the real prophet, the one who speaks in the name of God. Listen about the gifts that you have to give to the Kohen. Listen about the judge, the judge who has the responsibility of making sure that everything is done in accordance with the law. It's a parsha that fits so perfectly into the theme and into the moment of Elul, a time of great opportunity, a time of return and repentance, a time when we hear that shofar blown, a siren, an alarm, a reminder of great things that we can do. When you're in shul tomorrow, I always say, listen to that specific thing that the parish is going to tell you. It's going to tell you something extremely important. Good Chodesh and good Shabbos.